We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports. And I'm your host, John Inglesby. To join the show... The call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And it's that time of the show when we often have guests, and on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Studham of Bama Magazine. And A.P., how are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing very well, John, very well. I'm actually in Tuscaloosa today. It's pretty hot, but, it, but it's nice. It's, it's not over, overwhelming. Well, good. Well, thank you for calling in, and uh, I gather it's not the first radio show you've done today, correct? <laughs> that's right. That's right, John. I was I was asked to actually fill in a friend of mine to the show here in Tuscaloosa in the morning, a couple hours, nine to eleven Central Time, and uh, he's on vacation. So I was actually trying to see if someone else would be interested in hosting. Next thing you know, he's asking me. So I advised and had a, had a lot of fun talking to some. That sounds fabulous. Well, <clears throat> football's a year-round sport in Alabama, even more so than other places. So I'm glad that uh, you know you had the opportunity to talk some football here in June. Uh, yeah, I looked at your lineup. It sounded like you had some pretty interesting people to speak with. Yeah, one of the inter- interesting uh, individuals I had on the show was Blake Barnett. His offensive coordinator, he was a quarterback coach for his high school, Santiago High School in Corona, California. And Blake is trying to become the next Alabama quarterback. He's a redshirt freshman, you know, Holly Ray's coming in. And uh, I think he actually committed to Notre Dame originally, I recall. And then was looking at other schools, finally ended up at Alabama redshirt last year. But the first time I met him, John, it was like he was from Hollywood casting. He knew all the right answers as an 18-year-old freshman. And he, oh, and really? He was tall. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was funny. And uh, his, his uh, quarterback coach is uh, Ryan Maine, and I uh, visited with him in California. And come to find out, Ryan, one of his responsibilities at the time was the media coach for the school. So he trained him. Uh, so he trained him. But he, but he told me even on the air today that Blake came to him kind of polished already. And he was asking him, you tried the same things? And he was kind of kidding with him. So, so that was kind of interesting. Well, it's a different world, AP. I mean, I, I see it all the time with, you know, teenagers today or, you know, where athletes in their 20s were, you know, as recently as 10 years ago. They're just so media savvy and, uh, you, you know, be it. Start with selfies. I mean, you know, they want to be on a screen. They welcome it. They're not intimidated by it. They seek out opportunities, you know, to be on the screen, create their own videos, what have you. Uh, I think you may remember a couple years ago I talked about this, you know, 
13-year-old and the football university national championships that I covered, Hayes Greer, and he was like an Instagram star, and we're down in, <laughs> Nap- we're down in Naples, Florida, and, you know, he teenage girls are lined up literally around the stadium to check this kid out. So that, that was a moment for me. That, that, that's when I kind of finally got the uh, teenager savvy, especially with athletes, uh, on dealing with the media. That just, that, that was it. And I've been kind of uh, following it ever since, and I'm consistently impressed by how well they do. So it sounds like you found yet another one. Yeah, John, it, it's amazing because not, you know, not all of them are as well-spoken as Blake, but right. it's a pleasure when you come across one that can communicate uh, different thoughts about himself, about his teammates, about his coaching staff, so it makes it fun when you sit down with somebody that, with those capabilities. Well, it's going to serve him well as the future quarterback of Alabama, right? Oh, it sure will. And, and John, today I was noticing uh, one of the interesting comments that was said by Walter Lewis. Walter was the uh, first African-American quarterback to start for the University of Alabama and actually had a little stint with the Patriots up there and, and way back. And um, I think Walter, when they disbanded the Memphis Showboat in USFL, so Walter said today that Blake Barnett, his swagger, and I believe the way, the way he said it, his swagger reminded him of Joe, Joe Willie Namath. So that's been on the Twitter. It's been blowing up on Twitter. And actually, Blake retweeted that comment himself. Wow. That doesn't get any bigger than that. I mean, he, a true <laughs> icon of our generation yeah. and more. So, wow. That's like, that's the ultimate comparison, period, in, in so many ways. Right. Yeah, so, so Blake, he... He's definitely social media conscious. Yeah, what's his last name again? Blake? uh, Uh, Barnett. Blake Blake Barnett. Barnett. All right, the the name even has a nice ring to it. So sounds like that's somebody we're going to get to know. Yeah, I I think so. Uh, I I think when I spoke to a high school coach from um, California, one thing he made a distinction for me because when Blake played in California, he had this freedom to make all types of plays. So with those plays, there's a little bit more of a tendency for the risk plays, risky plays. So maybe you might have a turnover. The Alabama system under Nick Saban, if you're going to play quarterback, they have that predominantly running game with a good defense, you're going to stay away from making those tight throws that are susceptible to interceptions and turnovers. Correct, correct. So let me ask you, AP, is, does he have a chance to start as a freshman, would you say, or no? Yeah, he's a sure freshman. He, he does, John. He does. I'm, I'm just not certain if um, you know, he's going he, to stay away from making those bad throws, you know, making those turnovers. That'll right. get you seat on the bench very quickly on the next season. Okay. He does well. have quite, you know, a lot of a lot of ability. He has a lot of ability, <clears throat> strong arm. I mean, the high school coach had explained this to me before when I met with him in California. I had him do it on radio today. I mean, he's thrown fifty-yard bullets in hitting the crossbar. Wow, 
Okay. That's pretty wow. good. So he has a That's rifle for good. an arm, right? Yeah, very good arm. And he can escape and make plays with his legs as well. Well, this is going to be fun. Yeah. I love hearing about, uh, you know, potential prodigies, see how they uh, bloom and whatnot. Uh, and again, there's no, really no bigger stage, uh, you know, than the University of Alabama, football-wise. I mean, it's just, uh, he's instantly on the big stage. So it's going to be something. And, you know, speaking of watching athletes bloom, before our eyes, I'd say LeBron James has uh, uh, fully flowered uh, as a result of last Sunday night. Would you agree? John, when you make that historical comeback and then the team you're defeating has only lost, what was it, two games at home all year, three games or something of that nature, and then you beat them twice in do-or-die situations, and you beat the, the unanimous MVP, that, that's quite an exclamation point. Well, it really is. It really is. In my mind, uh, I said last Friday it would define his legend, LeBron's, and it has. And for all the right reasons now, he is now bulletproof. That's not to say he still won't be among the most criticized uh, athletes of our time, which he has been up to now. But from the moment, you know, from the time he was the chosen one in high school, but people can say what they want now. He, you know, I'm not. It's it's not going to matter. You, you can no no one can any longer deny his greatness. You said it perfectly. Leading a three-one comeback, delivering that championship to Cleveland, single-handedly dominating the final three games, two in San Francisco, Oakland, uh, and then with the exclamation point of, you know, uh, the signature play of his career, of course, the block on Andre Iguodala. I mean, he couldn't have scripted it any better than it turned out. It was just perfect. Yeah, I mean, LeBron, I mean, that was an unbelievable microscope that was on him for this particular series. But more than Steph Curry, I mean, it would have been nice for Steph. It would have moved him up the ladder in the legendary category, but he's going to have other days and other moments. But for LeBron, it, it could have been going the other direction. Yeah, he's now three and four in finals. He could have been two and five, yeah. and, and, and then that's a problem. Yeah, yeah that, that becomes a situation where people are starting to <laughs> take out a chunk of, uh, of his, of his uh, exploits. Yeah, and I think it turned out well, too. I mean, you know, let's not forget. I mean, the Warriors won it last year, you know, so they, they have one in their pocket. And yeah. I, you, you, yeah. nobody likes the Warriors more than me, uh, you know, this side of San Francisco. I mean, I, I got to see them play in person. My thing was I was hoping they would win so that I could say I witnessed arguably the greatest team in NBA history with not really a whole lot yeah. of argument given the regular season record. So I can't right. say that, but <laughs> I loved watching them all year long, as did most millions of Americans and basketball fans, they were fabulous. But, you know, in the end, as LeBron elevated, you know, they descended. I mean, they, they kind of fell apart. There's no other way to say it. Uh, you know, and with the game tied with a minute or two to go in game seven, which is the ultimate moment, I was just looking at the scoreboard saying, this is as good as sports gets. You know, they were put, they weren't, 
they didn't do what they've done for two years, which was, you know, crisp passing and creative stuff. Got a little cute with the behind-the-back pass, a little hero ball, mm-hmm. launching a shot. And, you know, meanwhile, the Cavs are the ones that were, like, delivering in those final moments. So it was fascinating. Yeah, John, what was it? The last four minutes and something seconds they didn't score? Was that, that's yeah, there, there you go. I, that says it all right there. The the, mm-hmm. the Warriors, the all-time offensive juggernaut, did not score in the last four and a half minutes of the game. That just that's it. Yeah, I mean, ball game. That's something. That, yeah, that's something you see in college, John. Perhaps right. And even then, you're, you're scratching your head with the top team in the championship game or semifinal or round of sixteen. But in professional basketball, over four minutes to a team with all the extraordinary scores and you can't, can't get one bucket. Exactly. Home. Yeah, I mean, there's so many things to address. I'm glad you said that because I hadn't really touched on that point. And, uh, yeah, so I'm glad you did because that really, really just says it all right there. You know, again, the Warriors didn't score in the last four and a half minutes of game seven. Uh with the score, you know, tied or close to being tied. So it wasn't like, you know, either team had even anything resembling a big lead. You know, it was just nip and tuck, and yet they couldn't, uh, they couldn't put it in the basket, which is certainly the first time we've said that about them in two years. But <laughs> So good, good point, good analysis, AP, and uh, lots more to get to. And, uh, but for now, why don't we take our break? I know you're sticking around on the line. Uh, for some more discussion, which we'll do after this break. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Do you love sports talk? Can't get enough sports talk? Have we got a show for you. It's about the NFL training camps, Super Bowl previews, a look at the new starting quarterbacks, and weekly key injuries. We'll take your calls and emails right on the air. Former Philadelphia Eagle James Loving is your host, and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot. Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific time 3 p.m. Eastern time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at Voice America TRN or twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN. 
You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports, and I'm your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is one 888 346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Studham of Bama Magazine. And A.P., we talked in the previous segment about the Cavs winning the NBA championship, and no sooner did that seem to come to a close with the parade and the aftermath, which is still going on, uh, than the NBA draft held was held last night and. Brooklyn and uh, fascinating. I got to tell you, I know you've spent a lot of time here in New England. Uh, Celtic fans are not very happy group today. They were expecting some really, really big things with the most picks in a draft since any team since 1989. And as I as I said at the beginning of the show, AP, I I literally did not recognize the number three pick's name nor did I recognize the next two picks, none of which were which were both European players, so I don't think too many recognized them. And then uh, right. it was just weird because the four and five picks are, were recognizable names. Uh, you know, so it was just really odd. Uh, it was like a world turned upside down. I mean, uh, yeah, in round two, they got Demetrius Jackson from Notre Dame and Ben Bentol. From Providence, Big East leading scorer, who everybody up in New England knows, Chris Dunn's teammate. So, yeah, it, it just seemed, you, you know, I mean, the crowd was booing at the Garden Draft Party and whatnot, and uh, they, they left, many of them, after the first round. And uh, it just, see, you know, it, it seemed like the only one that would not have been booed would have been Chris Dunn, the star Providence guard. Uh, but... Again, you know, I, I'm not a draft expert who knows all the names or anything, but, you know, I, I think I know a fair amount. And for better or worse, I had never heard the name Jalen Brown until they announced it at number three. And I was like, who? And, you know, part of that is because, you know, he plays uh, played for California, the Bears. So, you know, no. you don't see him a lot on the East Coast, but pretty no. crazy night. John, did, did the fans, do you think, have specific players they wanted to see selected. Oh yeah, why? Well, I, I, I touched on this at the at the top of the show. Bottom line: New England fans want Danny Ainge to pull off another Kevin Garnett, Ray Allen deal. It's just that simple. <laughs> you know, when I say Chris Dunn is the only one, I mean the, the first two picks were obvious with you know Ben Simmons and Brandon Ingram. And then it was Celtics at number three, and it's a two-person draft as far as, you know, franchise game-changer-type players. So, yeah, I think just the local favorite of Chris Dunn would have, you know, been greeted positively, and just about anybody else would not have, you know. I, I think, frankly, people here in New England wanted to see, you know, free, you know, you know just trades, whatever, to get established stars in here, at least one, 
and give up whatever you need to on the draft pick front. And apparently there was, you know, a lot of chatter all week. And, you know, in the aftermath, it sounded like it was going on well into yesterday afternoon. But according to the Celtics, you know, everybody was just trying to, you know, pull a heist the way the Celtics have been known to pull heists in the past. So I really think that's the only way it would have been done. You know, now keep in mind, you know, the, the mindset here was, you know, this was going to last night had the potential to be, you know, a memorable night in Celtic history. And that's saying something. So that with that type of anticipation, it's really difficult to meet that, you know, would, Trading would getting Jimmy Butler have done it? Would getting Jamil Okafor have done it? Uh, it's just tough to say. Um, but yeah, pe- no people here in New England are just uh, a bit of a one-track mind since they weren't going to get one of the top two superstars. Uh, they were of the mind that you know they wanted a name and they didn't get a name. And not only did they not get a name, they got a name that many, many of us did not even recognize. So it, it was just kind of, you know, worst set of circumstances. Now the spin today is that, you know, uh, they're sitting pretty with Nets pick for next year, and which could <laughs> be the first overall pick. And there's some pretty impressive players. Mm-hmm. Could be There could be those, you know, franchise-type players next year. So... But no, nobody was interested in waiting. It feels like we've been waiting a long time up here in Boston. And uh, the appetite was whetted last night, and it wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't satisfied. There's no other way to put it for, for now. No, no. John, it's funny you mentioned Jalen Brown. I talked to his high school coach not too long ago about another player younger and he was telling me about Jalen Brown, you know, watch out for him in the draft and sure enough that happened. Yeah, and let me just be clear here. I don't want to sound too negative. Uh, you know, and it's not like there's no time. I mean, I think next week there's free agency starts and Celtics have a ton of cap room like every team and they have a lot yeah. of assets. But uh, anyway, I, I, I could not have been more impressed with what Jalen Brown had to say. He's apparently... He seems to be very, very intelligent. I even heard him talking about, you know, he came out, obviously he was just completed his freshman year, one and done, but he's talking about, you know, going to Harvard or MIT. Like, we're talking an extremely smart guy here. California's a great college. And uh, so, yeah, again, everything he said was great. I mean, a good sense of humor and very articulate and well-spoken. He's got game. Mm -hmm. You know, but, uh, you know, again, it was just the unfamiliarity in New England with this player from California. That's what we're really talking about here. I don't want to be bashing by any means Jalen Brown because from the moment they picked him, I've been impressed. You know, his press conference was great. Uh, and, you know, when they interviewed him immediately following the pick, I was like, oh, okay, well, he, he's pretty impressive. And then the press conference was <laughs> yeah. even more so. Yeah, yeah, he went to school, high school there in Georgia, in Marietta, Georgia. Really? Yeah, we were high school, I believe, and that's a big-time program in that part of the country. Yeah, well, you know, so you it, it might be a me thing or, you know, 
maybe I should have known who he was and, and just simply didn't. Uh, but, you know, obviously you did. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll wait and see how it happens. I mean, Ben Simmons, it's like he, he just fulfilled his destiny. And I found it interesting how, you know, a week ago I was hearing he wasn't even going to work out for the 76ers. And, you know, 48 hours later, it's the only team he works out for. And, you know, he's their number one pick. And one thing I noticed last night as I watched the draft, boy, it really seemed like people were tweeting out who was going to get picked moments before they got picked. I can't imagine. I think I remember this being a bit of a controversy with the NFL draft a couple of years ago, and I yeah. can't imagine the NBA was very happy. I mean, AP, I was watching the local channel, uh, you know, to get the Celtics reaction. They were doing a live draft broadcast, and they were saying who was tweeting that the pick would be a solid 20, 30 seconds before Adam Silver announced it to the point where they were saying, here's the pick. Let's go to the crowd shot to watch the reaction on the floor, you know, with the crowd on the floor of the garden. So it seemed like that was going on all night, but it certainly was going on with the Celtics. So can't imagine the NBA is real happy about that. No, there's no way, John. There'll, there'll probably be some postscript to that written somewhere because... Yeah, I think that was kind of an issue with the NBA at one of the drafts I remember covering some time ago. And it happens, there's, there's one particular person, I forgot who it was, that they were getting the draft before the TV network show were doing it. Right, and the other thing I don't and like it, is, go ahead. No, I'm going to say that, and I think the, the, the writers associated with those networks they were kind of miffed and mad, and, and maybe they were held and, restric and restricted from tweeting out the draft, or they just were being scooped by that one person. Right, right. Well, you know, I mean, I like to know as soon as possible, like any other sports fan. But the other thing, and this is what I'm thinking about with the NFL, I, I, you know, I think for this past draft, they put on like a for lack of a better word, a gag order, so to speak, to not reveal the number one and two picks with Jared Goff and Carson Wentz. And, you know, it worked. Yeah. You know, you, you yeah. didn't know as far as I, if I recall correctly. Yeah. Nobody knew for sure. Um, yeah. You know, I, I didn't, I don't like, you know, like, no, I was interested last night because the Celtics had the number three pick. But the fact of, you know, the number one and number two picks being just completely 100% assured before the broadcast even starts, you know, I'm not a fan. I mean, I, you know, I, I like the drama. <laughs> I want them to step to the podium, the commissioner of whatever sport, and, you know, <laughs> deliver it into our living rooms, you know, face-to-face, -face, as it were. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's unbelievable, that, you know, what happened. But, I, I mean, I don't know what they're going to try to do with it, John. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just reporters doing their job. You and I can relate to that. Um, but, you know, last night there seemed to be such a pattern, at least what, with the Celtics' point of view. It almost felt like, and, and you know, I'm totally guessing, extrapolating, whatever, but it was almost like, you know, as if 30 seconds or so before the pick was made, as if, like, you know, the team making the pick 
was telling like Adrian Wojnarowski or whatever who was doing some of the tweets or whatever reporter mm. that yeah. you know here's who we're picking as Adam Silver strode to the podium I mean it, that's really <laughs> how it felt it was so precise um, you know again there was three or so picks in a row that were like identical 30 seconds before the pick was made the announcers on the Celtic broadcast would announce it they would switch down to the floor as Adam Podium would say, which was great. Don't get me wrong. I, there, there was a lot to like there because, you know, you were, it was important here in Boston to get the reaction of the crowd live on the floor, which was, you know, a lot of booze, quite frankly. So <laughs> it, it was crazy. It was crazy. But I, my, my point is very simply, I can't imagine the NBA is too thrilled. That's all I'm trying to say. No, no, you're right, John. See, they're, they're so used to now having the ironclad control. Exactly. And somebody you know, usurps that power, power doesn't like to be challenged. That's exactly right. No question. So anyway, well, AP, hard to believe we've quickly come to the end of another segment. So why don't we take our final break? I know you're sticking around. And we'll talk a little more on the other side. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America Interactive Radio Player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry, powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Check your feelings at the door and enter the Man Cave. Don't let the name fool you, because we're here for anybody that wants to talk and listen in. Hosts J.D. Harris and Ray Austin are here to lead the forum from the fans, former players, owners, execs, and coaches. While inside the Man Cave, you do whatever you like. We won't judge. We'll even go beyond sports to talk technology, current events, and entertainment. Tune in every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. I am your host, John Inglesby. And back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Studham of Bama Magazine. And before we rejoin with A.P., uh, my pick of the weekend for appointment viewing is soccer. Uh, there's the Copa Championship game, which apparently is going to be play, played before like 80,000 people at MetLife Stadium and where the Giants play uh, on Sunday. And that'll be awesome. And then... Uh, 
Uh, let's just hope we get to see more goals like the Messi goal against the U.S. on that penalty kick that was just amazing the other night. That's one that will live forever. And uh, <clears throat> we also still have the Euro uh, championships going on from France, which has also been compelling, compelling viewing. And uh, Ireland, France uh, is one that I'm particularly interested in, being Irish. And uh, it's going to be great. No, oh, by the way, you know, uh, Argentina plays Chile, who I got to cover uh, up here at Gillette Stadium. They're like the fourth ranked team in the world. So it's a big soccer weekend to help get us through uh, uh, the end of basketball season and hockey season for that matter. Uh, so it'll help bridge the gap. And AP, uh, you know, I was talking golf at the beginning of the broadcast. I was at the U.S. Open at Oakmont uh, Saturday and Sunday. It was awesome. But, yeah, it was amazing to be there with that penalty stroke hanging, potential penalty stroke hanging over the entire back nine on Sunday. It was uh, remarkable to be a part of in person. Yeah, John, I'm sure you were as puzzled as, as anyone, and the mood must have been unbelievable trying to imagine what would someone do if they were placed in that position. It seemed to me like another powerful private body just they thump their chest and, and just disregard their own you know individuals that are part of that organization and the fans as well. Yeah, well, you know, uh, the USGA, like many golf institutions, are laden in tradition. And the infraction allegedly occurred on the fifth green. DJ was alerted on the 12th tee, at which point it went public and was just hanging out there. And uh, let's be clear, the USGA did issue an apology uh, the, the next day. Um saying, you know, they were going to review their procedures and implying they would have handled it differently. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the thing was pretty simple, you know, that they, everybody had these radios, thousands and thousands of people, including myself, so you're listening to it on radio live as you're watching it right in front of you. <laughs> and every, you know, the announcers, I'm sure this was the same with Joe Buck and the crew, and I was watching some of it on TV, too, at various points. You couldn't give the score or the leaderboard without including a sentence about the penalty stroke hanging out there. It's just that simple. There's no other way. There's no other way to say it. You know, the score may or may not have ended up as the true score. So it's just. Uh, <laughs> I never, I never heard that really. I mean, just thinking of all these games we've watched, John, all kinds of sports, and you, you never heard said. All right, Green Bay thirteen, Chicago possibly fourteen could be, could be uh, you know seven. Exactly, exactly. It was just uh, an air of uncertainty, and uh, you know, thank goodness for everybody involved that you know DJ got that separation on the final couple holes to win. You know by three or four strokes, and he just rendered it all meaningless. This could have been one of the big controversies of all time, especially when you consider Dustin Johnson's history. Let's not forget he had a penalty stroke uh, a couple years ago, I believe, up in Wisconsin there at uh, 
and you know it, some believe it may have cost him the tournament uh for him to win his first tournament and actually be getting stronger as the cor- uh, you know as he hit the 17th and 18th uh I mean, good for him. You know, he was ready to win a major, especially after losing it last year the way he did to Jordan Spieth. And, you know, he not only won his first major, he he did it under really the most difficult conditions by, you know, from what I could, from everything I could see, you know, he was right in front of me on the 16th green with his big putt, par-saving putt to basically put it away or, you know, begin the final stages to put it away. Uh, for him to be able to, you know, again, have that steely resolve to not only win the major and overcome all the obstacles mentally, but then you factor in the potential penalty stroke. And, you know, he, he really, I think, uh, you know, did an amazing job. I mean, just good to see him. You know, we all know he had some issues, personal issues a while back. So, you know, I'd say he's come all the way back by doing what he did, uh, you know, in that really two-hour window, if that, on Sunday. I think it was pretty amazing, to say the least, under just the toughest conditions imaginable mentally. Yes, John, that's always a good thing to put in your your memory banks that you were able to play under those circumstances. Now, looking down the road, anything that may happen, he, he can say, well, I survived that penalty stroke possibility moment. This is a piece of cake. Correct. Under a tremendously tough course at Oakmont with the hills and everything and those crazy greens. I mean, it's a stunning place to walk around. That's for sure. It's the second time I've done it in my lifetime. And uh, I was there when I was 18 at the Saturday of the U.S. Open the year. Johnny Miller shot the 63 to win it on Sunday. And, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, in fact, I think I saw something where DJ has finished, uh, you know, in seven of the last ten majors, he's finished, like, top five or something like that. So, I mean, uh, this could be, you know, this could be the, you know, the beginning of something pretty special for him because everybody's talked about is just raw talent. He's the longest hitter on the tour, obviously, for years. And now it looks like maybe uh, he could start to go on a run. I wouldn't be surprised at all. And, and good for him if he does. Yeah, it was nice to see him win. I, I didn't want to see anything happen to him with that penalty stroke in the balance. You know, and, and, and he came through, and it was a nice moment for him and his family. And, and I was just glad it worked out in his favor. Uh, me too. Me too. It was great. Well, it's uh, hard to believe that basketball's over, even hockey. Uh, one final addition here, AP. It was great to be in Pittsburgh with the championship afterglow from the Penguins winning. It was just awesome. Uh, you talk about a city being in a good mood to host the U.S. Open. It was all of that and more, that's for sure. Uh, it was quite exciting for you, John. I'm glad you got an opportunity to go back. Yeah, let me close on this note because I know you'll appreciate it. Uh, so I, I went to the first tee for when they would introduce the final couple twosomes uh, on you know, what was like 3.30 on Sunday afternoon. That's how late they started. Uh, mm-hmm. I look up and who's standing right there a few feet away from me, but Franco Harris. Uh, so I thought, that was, I thought that was pretty cool. So as always with you and I, it comes down to football, right? 
<laughs> yeah. It's always we we kinda of end on those notes. It sure is. But that's that's great you got a chance to play Gloria. He he was a very figure for his school at Penn State and obviously a major exception. It was awesome. It was awesome. He looked great by the way and clearly was having a good time and so it was just really uh enjoyable to see him. So AP, hard to believe we've come to the end of the show. Thank you as always for calling in and your for your great contributions. My pleasure, John, as always. Thank you so much. All right, and have a great weekend. And as always, thank you all for listening to All Around Sports. And we look forward to doing it all again next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Thanks again for tuning in to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a terrific weekend, and we'll talk sports again next week. 